Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. Yeah. And today we're talking about charisma. Charisma, I don't know why yes. I'm talking about this. Who am I? Um, it's a Radio 1 DJ from the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I am. Um... Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about charisma today. Indeed, yes. Because you, you you fancied talking about it, you've got an interest in it. Yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting one to talk about, um, partly because I'm really interested in it, and also partly because it mm. means that I didn't have to do too much preparation, because I've already got quite a lot of stuff about Fair. it, so Fair. it's a bit lazy. But it is really interesting, and it is absolutely relevant to the question of cults and high control groups. I think it's um, interesting because it's one of those words that I feel like is really common and I'm really familiar with because you say it all the time. It's like discussed in our house, but um, I don't know if everybody is uh, as on it with what charisma is and what it means and like using it in common vocabulary. So I don't know if maybe you should set up what charisma is a bit because I think definitely it's It's, like it's you know it's a thing in the sims you can get your charisma up so that you get hired further in the politics career but like what is it you know yeah Mm. i suppose it feels like quite an old-fashioned word but i didn't realize it was in the sims so obviously it's still got a life um so the the definition of charisma apparently it comes from a greek word which sounds exactly the same (laughs) charisma um spelt with a k and an h um, but it means uh, divine gift. So the original word definitely has a kind of uh, religious connotation to it. The idea is that you have these yeah, special, yes, yeah, so you have these special gifts from God that allow you to, I suppose, influence people. Mm. It makes you special in some way. Um, and it's hard to put your finger on. I suppose what what one of the things that researchers have been trying to do over the last 50 years or so is to understand this phenomenon of charisma exactly what is it how can we define it and trying to nail it down so we can a understand it and b if it's a good thing replicate it if it's a bad thing i suppose understand how to fight it so it's it's kind of it's a really interesting phrase but it comes from a religious background which is why you do hear about charismatic churches for instance Mm. it's interesting um as much as it's a bit of a joke for me to bring up the sims but like in the i think this is how we do think about it as a skill and obviously in that it is a skill that you know you get your little people to develop and grow um as opposed to um, for a while I guess I always thought of it more as like an innate ability like or or um, a personal attribute like you're a charismatic person like you're a kind mm. person or you're like a friendly mm. person you could be charismatic but um, 
Yeah, I do. Well, this is a burning argument. This is this is an argument that's been going on, and in my view, is still not settled. I'll read to you the definition um, of charisma that one of the kind of giants of philosophy, Max Weber, turn of the nineteenth, sorry, turn of the twentieth century, came up with. Um, it's a bit of a lengthy quote, but this is a good place to start. I think he described it. A certain quality of an individual personality by virtue of which he is set apart from ordinary men and treated as endowed with supernatural, superhuman, or at least specifically exceptional powers or qualities. These are not accessible to the ordinary person, but are regarded as of divine origin or as exemplary and on the basis of them, the individual concerned is treated as a leader. Mm. So that's the definition well, that I guess is, is has been the, the, the accepted one for many years. As atheists slash agnostics, I imagine we don't really jive with that. So I know I don't, the idea that it's a God-given ability so I well mean, you could replace that making you, other claims well you could replace god given by innate couldn't you You could say yeah. is it innate is it something that is just part of your personality part of your um your traits your tendencies to behave in a certain way based upon your genes and your upbringing you know so it could it could just be innate or it could be learned but it could be so fundamental to your personality that it's not something you can learn when you're 20 or 30 or 40 you kind of you were mm. you were born to be charismatic if you like so you could argue of that and and i think there is an argument that some people think it is it is just a a, a um, constellation of qualities that you happen to be lucky to have um that mean mm. you're more influential you can get people to do what you want them to do it is linked to leadership. So that's why I've done a lot of work on charisma because it's part. it was part of my master's, um, but it's also part of a course that I've developed for Udemy. So I do these management programs and it's not out yet, but it will be out soon. It's a, an advanced program about leadership and management. And you can't really talk about leadership without talking about charisma. So... Mm. That's why I find it so interesting, because on the one hand, you've got this very secular way of describing charisma around influence and so on. But you've also got this other, and in many ways, where it comes from, which is a, a pseudo-religious sort of base, which is saying that there's something magical about these people, or at least it's innate in their personality that makes them mm. different in some way, that, that means that they can they can influence people to do all sorts of things and of course if you're talking about cults or high control groups then it's no surprise that one of the major ways of describing a cult is mm. it has a charismatic leader at the, mm. at the top of it so charismatic leaders often go along with cults and in fact if you look at definitions currently i'm reading margaret thayer singer's book on cults in our midst that's one of the that's one of the the definitions that she uses. It has a charismatic leader at the top. Um, so clearly, that doesn't necessarily fit with all groups that we might describe as high control. So that there's another question there around definition, but it's certainly very much 
around that subject. So I think we should talk about it. Do you have an opinion on that? Like, do you think it's innate or do you think it's a skill or? So I think like everything else, um, one of the jokes in organizational psychology is whenever you ask a question like that, the answer is always, it depends. Oh. (laughs) Um, Mm. And it kind of depends. But I think, I think there are, like everything else in personality, there are some innate qualities that you are born with. So there is an element of, of genetic um, predisposition to be, let's say, outgoing or extrovert mm. or introvert, for instance. And I think that's just, you are born with those genes. Um, but then there's also an element where you can learn certain techniques and ways of doing things that eventually can become habits that eventually can become part of your own self, your own identity. So I think, yes, there are some people who, who are just born with lots of charismatic qualities um, there are others that are not, but you can develop them. And anyway, those that are born with those charismatic qualities might not necessarily know how to use them more effectively. So, yeah, I think it is something that that people develop. Um, but yeah, sure, there are there are some innate elements to it. So it's a bit of both. Is is the is the simple answer? Um, yeah. Do you think you're charismatic? I think I'm charismatic. When I was at school, it's quite funny because I remember us doing a um, in one of our lessons. This was in secondary school, mm. um, and I had like three friends. That was basically it, and uh, we were quite close at school. Obviously, couldn't associate after school, but um, <laughs> in the in the main. Um, but at school, uh, one of the questions in the lesson was: you had to say whether you thought you were a leader or not. Are you a natural leader? Mm. Um, yeah, and so um, an I answered the question at school. It was, yeah. Like, so that's such a weird one. I don't. I wonder if they, they would ask. I think that. it was. I think it was in sociology or something. It was yeah. one of the um, kind of or social studies. I think they called it. Um, anyway, I said I thought I was, which that was it. Then I never could live that down. Everybody took the mickey out of me for uh, deigning to think that I was a natural leader. No, <laughs> but it also Are you the only meant one that said it or. Amongst my group, um, but then I think what that meant is that they thought that was great because every time, you know, somebody asked for a volunteer, it would always be, "Oh, Stephen, you're our leader. You can do it." You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So yeah, I kind of regretted that. Um, All hail the leader. <laughs> I don't um, know. Yeah, I don't think it's the sort of thing that you can say about yourself, is it? Yeah, well, I didn't say I wasn't asking if you're a leader. I said, "Are you charismatic?" But you know, I think that's even worse. Really, we've gone back um, to some deep past-rooted childhood trauma. <laughs> so I'm not going to answer that question. So no, I don't think you can answer that. I think other people. Well, I'm not sure. I think, I think you are charismatic. Okay, so why do you think I'm charismatic? Um, because you, you're you you're very like capable and speak very well. Um. So like your ability to, and you, you do lead a room, like when you get somewhere, if, if, if no one's sorting it, you'll just sort it. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll just, okay. I think, okay. In the way that like you're capable and confident. And I think that makes you charismatic. Cause people, okay, so that's... people like that. Yeah. All right. That's interesting because that in a way starts us off on the, on the conversation doesn't it as to what we think 
charisma really means. Mm. Um, so we've given a definition there, but you you started as on a more interesting um, road to try and define it. So what you're saying is that people who are charismatic are quite good communicators. Is that what you're saying, firstly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So quite good at communicating and um, willing to shoulder responsibility, I think, is kind of what you alluded yeah. to. Mm-hmm. so that yeah I think that whether I've got those qualities or not I, I kind of agree that that those two things would be considered in a in this constellation of qualities that you might mm-hmm. describe as charismatic okay so that's a good and, place to start and you're you're also like um you're warm but I think that that's important because I think sometimes char- people think charisma is being like like um you can bleep it if you want boss bitch, you know, being like, but I think it's like, you you know, being like, I'm here to get this done. And I'm like, but it's like, you know, I'm like, you know, make being like, you go here. And I guess like old fashioned director, um, but people want to do the things you talk about because you say it in a nice Mm. way. See, I, I think that, Personally, I think that's one of the differences between a charismatic leader and somebody who's just directive. Mm. So someone who's directive would be good at giving people direction. So I need you to go and do this for me. I need you to go and do that for me. Thank you very much. So they still do that nicely and politely. When we talk about this on the assertiveness course. So Mm. I think you can be um, directive and still be polite, but it would be very much about okay, you know, I'm the manager, therefore I give you some instruction or I'm accepted as being the person in charge in this room. I'm going to give you some direction now. Do you understand what I mean? And that sort of thing. Mm. Whereas I think a charismatic person, um, it's more about getting the people you're trying to influence to want to do it. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's it's the ability of an individual to influence internally so that they internalize what what it is you're trying to get them to do mm. and so that they want to do it it's, it's true influence it's internal likeable yeah and, and that I'm might sure. be one of the ways that the charismatic person does it is by being likable therefore um the person thinks oh i want i want to please them because i like them and i maybe i want to be a bit like them so i want to i want to do what they ask me to do so it's that might be one of the, the methods if you like and that might not be done on purpose it might not be done um consciously but essentially that's what the charismatic mm. person is doing whereas a directive person is just giving direction a charismatic person is not only giving direction they're they are getting the person to want to do it and in a cult yeah. or a high control group you can see why that would be really useful in inverted commas um, to the abusive cult leader, if they can get the members of the group to do his, normally his, because they do tend to be, but they're not all his, his or her bidding, mm-hmm. then it's much easier because they don't need to be constantly giving direction. They Essentially, they just create, you know, the, the, the mentality that they want and, and then the person themselves monitors their own behavior. Mm-hmm. So I think charisma I is what like a workplace. Mm. Sorry, oh, I was saying I suppose in like a workplace example, it's like the um, the micromanager versus like the sort of like culture manager, I guess. 
um you know the ones that will tell you what to do as soon as you finish each job and be like okay now do this and now do that versus the one that like creates an environment where you kind of grow to know what needs doing absolutely so in in organizational psychology there's there's a, a whole range of of different ways of describing this thing and i thought it'd be quite interesting to talk about these because it is one of the areas that i i think i mentioned it before oh by the way in my last in our last two podcasts i've used the phrase my hobby horse so if i ever get on my hobby horse again Celine, can you just kick me off it <laughs> I know you're on it all the time though like constantly you've got loads I don't want to be on my hobby horse anymore he's got a soapbox he's got a hobby horse he has a high horse all of them they're everywhere just falling over them no more no more I'm taking out a new leaf turning Mm. over a new leaf one thing I've noticed in the literature and in the books particularly about cults is there seems to be a real separation between um understanding organizations you might call them normal organizations and high control organizations it's as though we imagine that those two things are completely separate they have no relationship to each other at all whereas we know that well i would suggest let's say i would suggest that actually they've got a lot of commonality and by looking at charisma I think that's a good way of building a bit of a bridge between these two things. So you've got organizations on the one hand, like the place you go to work or the charity you work for or the um, the club you belong to. These are secular organizations. You've got religious organizations like the churches and um, others. Um, and you've got then these other group we call high control groups or high control organizations. Um, And they're using a lot of the same things, basically, the same psychological techniques in order to get people to do what they want them to do. But first, I want to talk about charisma in a different way to what we've kind of described already. And this is more about aligning the goals of the, the individual, the charismatic leader, to the goals of the individual. And this cults do this very, very well. Um, so there's a a theory that I've talked about already, I think, in one of our episodes. I think we talked about this when we looked at um, being resilient, but it's called self-concept theory. Mm. Um, And there's a a couple of researchers called House and Arthur, or House and Shamir and Arthur, who applied this to organisations. And basically they they said that self-concept theory has essentially two, they're called precepts, but essentially these are, principles let's say two principles one principle is that our concept of self your concept of yourself my concept of myself is basically just a hierarchy of mini identities Mm -hmm. so if i said to you what do you think of in terms of your identity how would you describe yourself just give me a few words and phrases to how you celine would describe yourself Oh no, this is when you can end up sounding like a right, like, idiot. I was going to say a different word, but we don't swear too much on here. Um, We're clean. uh, On the Apple description, we are clean, which is always nice to have. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you can bleep it out and then let the audience try and guess what it is. I was going to say, you can end up sounding a bit... (laughs) I thought you were going to say... 
<laughs> that's the other option yeah um you put your put your guesses into twitter as to what, what it was um well no it doesn't have to be anything profound how would you describe no, no. yourself um i would say i would say caring okay so yeah be more fundamental than that to start with though what um, what, what are you a woman right you're um, a woman yeah what else um Oh, this is stressful. We're having an identity crisis now. I wasn't expecting this. Um, um, still young at the moment, though fast approaching the middle of my twenties. Terrifying. Um, to like so young, young woman. Um, the first word that comes to my head, <laughs> funnily, is new because there's still so much I've not worked out yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, like. Yeah. Um, the reason I said caring is just because that's like fundamentally something that I just enjoy doing. Like I like the reason I like Absolutely. to cook for people is because I like taking care of people. I want to care. I, I for didn't people. mean to suggest that wasn't important, but I just wanted you mm. to start from the very top sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, okay, good. Caring. What else? Um. Um. I, this is. I don't know. Do you have a boyfriend? Yes, so I'm a partner. Okay, so, okay, you're a partner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't drag him into this. But he didn't ask for this. <laughs> um, no, to but, be but you're, a, you're a, partner. But a partner. You're a girlfriend. Yeah. What I'm else? Girlfriend. Have you got any friends? Yeah, so I'm a friend. I'm a housemate. I'm a daughter. Do you do a um, job? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I have a day job as well, believe it or not. So you have a day days. job. You're also a podcaster a podcaster filmmaker um um yeah these are these are things that i am (laughs) right so everybody has this um these set of things that we consider to be part of you know who we are and this precept or this principle first principle in self-concept theory is that everybody has these things and essentially what we do is we arrange them into a hierarchy so we have the most salient at the top and then on the basis of that we then go down these this hierarchy and that's all of these elements make up who we are so we're not one thing we are a bunch of things and those things add up to our sense of of self and identity um and that's that's this basic self-concept and and the more that they align with each other then the better so let's say if i was going to say well you know one of my self-concepts is that i'm um i'm a father um and another one underneath that might be that i'm caring then those two sit quite nicely together because you can be a caring father. In fact, those two are very much congruent. Um, if I was going to say though that you know I'm, uh, I don't, I don't care about anybody else. Mm-hmm. I look after number one. Then that would probably be a bit difficult for me to manage those identities mm-hmm. and those selves. So the more you can align those, the the happier you feel. And that's one of the jobs of a cult, I guess, or I suggest. So this, this is early days of me theorizing, really. But I would suggest that maybe part of what a cult does is it, it realigns those different identities so that 
um, you know, your identities are now aligned to the needs of the group as opposed your as opposed to your own set of priorities. So that's essentially mm-hmm. what the the charismatic leader is doing. Um, and in order to do that, then the cult leader is or the charismatic person is going to try and align what you think of your identities with the cult identity. So one of the things that they might do is find out what sort of things you're interested in and what sort of person you are. So if they know that you're maybe you give to charity, you you care about um, people who are suffering, then one of the things they might attract you with is, well, you know, we've got this group over here that specialize in helping people in need or supporting people who have had bereavements or had difficulties in some way so that, oh yeah that's definitely my cup of tea that that aligns with my mm. identity so that's what charismatic people do and that sounds very manipulative but in the workplace that can be very simple that can be about me saying you know if we want to be a successful business a successful team let's say i'm in customer service um i want to first of all recruit somebody who who is a caring person who cares about looking after people and then what I need to do is align Mm. my team's goals and your goals so that by asking that person that extra question you know so what we'd like you to do Celine is is make sure before the person leaves you ask them if they are willing for you to make a phone call in a couple of weeks time to make sure everything's okay that way we are making Mm. sure that we deliver what the customer needs so I kind of send that message home and because it's aligned to your natural inclination, which is to care about the customer, you go, right, that makes sense to me. Therefore, you're more likely to do it in two weeks' time than if it's just on a piece of paper that says, two weeks after the sale, you must call the person. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So that's how the charismatic yeah. leadership works. It's saying, right, how can we align what we need as a team with what the person already feels about their own identity and their own values so Mm. that's the first element is that self-concept theory says a person has this hierarchy of identities and values that the charismatic person essentially keys into and the second precept or the second principle in self-concept theory is that people are intrinsically motivated to enhance and defend their self-esteem So our self-esteem just basically means feeling okay about ourselves. Yeah. Our self-esteem is this feeling that we are valued, we are valuable, people care about us, and of course that means that we care about ourselves. And so we are are motivated to defend and enhance that. Mm. And that again is something that the charismatic leader recognizes and will provide an opportunity for you as a subordinate to achieve by doing things that are good for the team yeah so that could be simple as simple as Celine I just want to mention the way that you spoke to that customer today and you helped them with that xyz problem that was absolutely brilliant that's exactly what we're looking for Mm. You know, put it in your own way, but you would, you would say it in a way that makes that person think, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good at my job, aren't I? Yeah. Um, so it's a simple reward, really, for something that you've done. But any opportunity to enhance that. Or if I say to you, um, 
Celine, I'm looking for somebody to do a project about X, Y, Z. I know you've expressed some interest in that in the past and you've shown some real, um, you know, skills in that area. So would you be interested in leading this project? So that's a much better way. That's a much more charismatic way of getting you to do a project than saying, Celine, I need you to lead this project in two weeks' time. Mm. So the charismatic leader is appealing to your feeling of self-esteem to say that you're good at this. You can achieve this. I'm choosing you because you're good at this. Um, and it makes you feel good about yourself. Therefore, you're more likely to do it. So that's a simple way of, of getting people to buy into projects or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, now, at the same time, we've talked about authentic leadership. It has to be honest. So if you've shown no aptitude for it, if I say to you, Arceline, you've always been really good at doing this and you know very well that you've not, then that's not charismatic. That's it's just, just a bit. It's just a bit eh. Yeah, that's bull. Just a bit ick. Yes, yeah. you're, you're gonna have to bleep that now. Look what you're doing. I'm gonna have to go mad on my bleeps today. Yeah, so yeah. it's bull, isn't it? It's bull mm. with yeah. the other bit on the end. So that's what mm. that's what you don't want to do. So it has to come from an authentic place. It has to be reality, but mm. you're not missing an opportunity to help build up your self-esteem. No. So that's what charismatic leaders do. So there's these two things they are it's recognizing that there's the this hierarchy of, of identities i don't mm -hmm. want to cut across that because that'll make it more difficult for you to do the things i need you to do and i know that you want to feel good about yourself so therefore i give you opportunities to do that so basically those are the two basics in terms of behavior okay. um, going back to self-esteem one of the the things that makes people feel good about themselves are four areas and that's a feeling of competence so one of the things if you think about when you've not felt so good about yourself then one of these four things might be appropriate or might be relevant so competence ah so yes whenever... the thing that i am questioning about myself currently <laughs> i made a boo-boo so, and i'm sad about it so whenever we feel like we've made a mistake that questions our competence, doesn't it? Mm. And that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Well, I went up to someone and said, I've made a terrible mistake. It is awful. And just self-deprecated myself like five yeah. minutes before telling them what I'd done. I was like, it's so right. bad. So you, you sort of already your self-esteem has <laughs> taken a hit, yeah? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that our self-esteem is built upon is a sense of feeling of competence. Mm. Another thing that our self-esteem is built upon is a feeling of power this is this is your power to make your own decisions mm. do things that you want to be able to do um so when you feel that you're lacking power agency mm -hmm. let's say mm -hmm. then that makes you feel like you've got low self-esteem again mm. yeah um, another one is feelings of achievement so if you feel like you've achieved something, that builds up your self-esteem, doesn't it? It makes you feel good about yourself. If you've got low feelings of achievement, I can never do anything. I'm never, I can never achieve anything. How mm. does that make you feel? Low self-esteem. Yeah. And the final one is ability to cope with the environment. You know, I can cope or I can't cope. If I can cope, that makes me feel good about myself. 
If I can't cope, that makes me feel rubbish about myself. So mm. I think that's really insightful. So these are not my ideas. This is um, House, Shamir and Arthur. I'll put the links in the description. So all I'm doing here is I'm I'm using well-understood organizational psychology um, theory to describe mm-hmm. how charismatic leaders work. But can you see mm-hmm. how you all you need to do is just take that and put it in the hands of somebody who is a malign, self-serving person. Yeah. And it is possible to use, use those techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is a real Peter Parker quality. What does that mean? Because you said this in the pre-talk, but I don't know what that means. When when Spider-Man's uncle says to him that you've got great power, he tells him that with great power comes great responsibility. And that, for me, is what charisma is. If you have charisma, if you develop charisma, then that gives you a certain responsibility to use it in a responsible and an ethical way. Mm. And I think that's one of the big areas where charisma in high control groups um, and charisma in organizations are different. Essentially, these charismatic individuals are using a lot of these techniques, but they're using it for a self-serving way and in a way that is going to be damaging to the individual. But you can see why essentially you see it in organizations and you see it in high control groups because there's a lot of similarities and indeed when i was talking to um uh, the the world of work podcast recently which is coming out shortly um so i was a guest on their podcast um we talked a little bit about this and i mean their comment was well you know they've seen plenty of what you might consider normal organizations who have abused this too Mm. So you only need to look at bullying in the workplace by managers or or what's considered bullying or, you know, things like um, sports teams or um, high-pressure sales teams, multi-level marketing. A lot of those things are using some of these techniques and sometimes they step over the line. Mm. So I think that's why it's so interesting. And there's such a sort of fine line between these, these two things. I have a question based on what you've just been saying. So, I mean, it, it it can almost, I think sometimes people see it as either they see it in a kind of neutral way. They're just like, oh, that's a charismatic person. Or sometimes it comes across in like a negative way because it's like maybe a bit skeezy and using these methods to manipulate people. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I know what their goals are and I can align my things to it. But, you know, I don't think it necessarily is that. But I mean... Do you want to riff from there? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a question, Celine, that has bothered me and is on my mind um, about this subject quite a bit and has been on my mind. Um, I've, as I said, I've just developed a course, uh, an advanced management and leadership program, and a big part of that is about how to be a more charismatic manager. And there's a part of me mm. that worries a little bit. Um, because I don't want to be teaching people <laughs> methods to, you know, do things that are um, undue influence. But I think in all mm. the literature I'm reading and have read about groups, um, cults, high control groups, there is always this recognition that essentially they're using techniques that we use all the time. It's just that they are 
doing them with malign intent and to a mm. greater degree. So, you know, if I want to get you to, let's say, you know, as my daughter, you ask, you tell me that you're going to um, invest all your money in some slightly risky venture. Mm. Um, now, I told I, you I was using all of the money I have to make a short film and like hope to God that it gets into a festival and that's my last punt at filmmaking. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> what and, would you do? You know, and you're basically going to, you're going to make yourself destitute by doing it. You know, I, I might try to, well, I think I probably would try to influence you um, to think again. Now, of course, I could say, no, you're not doing that, Celine, but uh, you're a grown woman. You, I can't tell you what it's to my do. my savings so, account. What are you exactly. going to do? I can, only, I can only try and influence you. And that is, that is kind of how we, how we work as, as a social society. We influence each other. Um, you know, if I want, you know, if I'm a single man and I want somebody to go out with me, I have to try and influence them to to actually want to go out for a date. If I'm um, mm. a school teacher and I want kids to learn, I have to influence them to make them know that it's a good idea to listen to this make lesson. Make them care about photosynthesis. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So mm. we do it all the time. Because no one and... cares, but you've got to try. <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, it's it's all about influence. So that's fine. And mm. therefore, I think what we've just discussed can be fine. It's just about influencing mm. people in a, what, quote, unquote, normal way. Where it's not normal mm. is where we might hide important bits of information from the other person. Um getting them to or influencing them to do something that is not in their own interests and that is in fact against their own interests so i would say that that sort of thing would be sleazy and um unethical um so i think openness and honesty mm -hmm. is probably one of the big things um it's not so it's not about mm -hmm. hiding things that are the reality it's about being honest and open but Obviously, I'm going to want to emphasize the things that I think are going to make you want to do the thing that I think is a good idea for you. Um, and I think it's good that we struggle with this ethically. So that's probably one of the good signs. If we do struggle with it ethically, then it means that we are unlikely to be unethical. So if I'm a leader yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, right, well, I, I really do want my team to really care about their job and care about customer service and care about quality and all those things because that's good for them, it's good for the team, it's good for me as a manager, it's good for the business, then I don't feel that I'm doing anything wrong if I try and do that in a charismatic way. If I mm -hmm. am trying to influence members of my team to do things that are not in their own interests, mm -hmm. then, um, then maybe I, I feel um guilty about that and i should feel guilty about that so i think just being aware of that danger is probably one of the most important things yeah charisma is just another way to try and influence people but it does carry with it some risk so i think we just need to be aware of that risk and if we're aware of it then we're probably less likely to do it mm. so it's a really good question Celine, and it is one that that does kind of um 
exercise me from time to time? Should I, you know, should we be teaching people these skills? Is that dangerous? Well, not if it's just normal level. If we're mm-hmm. talking about influencing them in a an unethical way, then yes, of course. But where you draw that line, of course, is is a matter of um, opinion, and that's I think where we get into some difficulties. Mm. I, you know, I mean, a good example is COVID, isn't it? Mm. With our draconian measures. <laughs> Which everyone was was really loving to say a few months ago and we just accepted it now but you know it's all a bit too draconian they kept saying now here we are Mm. so yeah so trying to get people to wear masks and try to get them to follow the rules you know you 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 can just give them a set of rules but but obviously if you want people to actually follow those rules Mm. and care about following those rules then you have to do a bit more than that so that's where the influence mm. comes in so mm. we do it all the time and for often for very good reasons it's no, when it course. goes I mean, above that ethical line i would suggest that the that for instance if you want an example um with the covid thing i would suggest an example is like the billboards that were like basic i think to paraphrase slightly but i think they've pretty much said don't get someone killed for your coffee don't kill your grandma was one that I remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, dear <laughs> Lord. Don't kill granny. <laughs> Not grandma. <laughs> um, yeah, there was one. I remember walking to work and it's like a person like coming out for coffee. Like, woo, yeah. And it's like, don't get someone killed for a coffee. And it's like, all right, okay, fine. Um, so, yeah, that's an, there was a lot of debate around that because it was, you know... Um, trying to influence people with, I guess, guilt um, and, and such. Yeah, so, I mean, there's different different questions there around effectiveness of that sort of thing and mm. and whether the methods are effect, are ethical. I guess the other, the other if we were to, to change that a little bit and say, um, you know, after the crisis mm. has gone, mm. if the government are still using those tactics to try and control our behaviour, for no reason other than somebody wants to control us, then then even though, you know, in one situation it might be ethical and um, justified, but in a different situation it's not. So it's, it's often about the motive. And that's why it's quite difficult, actually, to identify what is a normal organisation and what is a cult, because a lot of it comes down to motives as much as, as actually what they're doing and that's always difficult you can't really measure motive so you can only measure behavior so that's from a psychological perspective from a scientific perspective that's when when you hold your hands up in the air and say look i can't really measure this Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't really measure somebody's motive um but i think you can infer it Mm. you know if, if you if you look at a cult leader who is influencing women to sleep with him um and leave the husbands um well i think we can be pretty sure what his motive is can't we (coughs) nixium (laughs) yeah exactly Mm. so obviously you've discussed kind of like these different things that a charismatic leader might know about um which you see training about or is just potentially naturally good at but how do they implement these things that they know then yeah, so that's, I suppose one of the one of the things to think about is how you motivate and influence people, and and uh, we've talked a little bit about aligning things to individuals' self concept and their need for self esteem. The other way of thinking about it is 
thinking about role modeling and frame alignment. And again, Mm. this is something, particularly the frame alignment, is something that's mentioned in the literature quite a lot, um, how cult leaders um, change the framing of things. Um, Mm. But again, actually, this is a very common thing that we we kind of all do from time to time. Because frame alignment is basically saying, what, what is this an example of? What I've just seen... What is that an example of? And then Mm. what the leader will do will align it to the values of the organization. Mm. So let's say, again, in a sales context, in a workplace, somebody comes in asking for information about a product and Mm -hmm. you might give them some information and they say, well, thank you very much. I'll think about it. And they leave and they never come back. Mm. So maybe the leader might say, right, well, that was a good example of not asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. So they're aligning what's happened to the methods that they're trying to get the staff to use to answer their questions that they Mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. Um, It might not be that. It might just be that this person didn't really want it at all. They just had nothing else to do that day or just sort of window shopping Mm. um you don't really know but of course what the leader is doing is is aligning that event to the framing that makes sense in that organization so this is an example of this Mm. this is an example of that um and of course what a cult charismatic leader might do is just twist everything to match the framing that makes sense to them Mm-hmm. So good example, going back to our previous podcast episode about the UFO cult that was waiting for the end to come on the 21st of December. When mm. it doesn't come on the 21st of December, what's required is a frame alignment. Mm. Yeah, well, actually, what we, we were waiting for something. Something. Happened. Maybe it was a spiritual coming. Mm. So this moving from, and in fact, Jehovah's Witnesses do this, uh, have done this over the years, and all these sorts of groups that prophesy the end, when Mm. it doesn't happen, oh, well, it was a spiritual fulfillment. So they've changed Mm. the framing. Mm. At one point, it was a physical thing. Now it's a spiritual thing. So it still happened. It's just a different Mm. framing. So Mm. that's one of the things that that, um, cults do. So frame alignment can be fairly benign. So yeah, what we just saw was an example of bad salesmanship or bad saleswomanship. Or it could be malign, which is that thing I just told you, you kind of misunderstood Mm -hmm. it. It's not physical, it's spiritual. So Mm -hmm. those are the same technique. It's just that you're doing it in a malign way. Um, The other one is role modeling. And that's something that um, may be is something you might be able to separate from a good charismatic leader in the workplace or secular charismatic leader and a cult leader. Because often the cult leaders don't practice what they preach. Mm. So what I need from you, followers, is I need total abstinence of any sexual activity. Mm. However, I'm going to sleep with your partners. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... So in a way, that's a good one to look for. If you're seeing a behavior that doesn't uh, model what they are telling everybody else, then that suggests actually something Mm. that's a bit wrong. So that's not genuine charismatic leadership. 
there is the sort of obviously you said like if you're if you're concerned about ethics you're probably being more ethical but um you know i guess there's people that aren't concerned um yeah they're just seeing it as a tool i mean what's going on with them yeah so there's a there's a type of leadership that's called pseudo transformational leadership so transformational leadership is is considered to be i suppose the umbrella over which charismatic leadership sits. So it's kind of the, the two are very, very similar. In fact, some some researchers say they're basically the same thing. Mm. So there's this other thing called pseudo transformational leadership, or we could call it pseudo charismatic leadership, I suppose. Mm. Um, and but it's an in, very interesting list of things. So these are leaders that some people might consider to be charismatic but are actually not. Um, and here's a list. And I just, I'm interested to think, to, to think about who, if anybody comes to mind when I read this list. So this is a list of qualities or behaviors of what is described, or what was described in 1999 mm-hmm. as pseudo transformational leadership. They are self aggrandizing, so it's mm-hmm. all about them. Fantasizing, ego-driven, mm. unethical. They use deception. Mm. They have an ends and means philosophy. Mm-hmm. In other words, ends justifies means. Mm-hmm. Everything is highly personalized to them, mm-hmm. and it's manipulative. I mean, this all does sound like the guy from Nixium. I can't remember his name, but he's definitely, that definitely yeah. it definitely suits mm. him to a mm. T, all of those things. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone, and to be honest, I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've probably mm. either heard of Nixium or watched the latest documentary. But um, yeah, he he's very self-concerned, definitely... Um, not care not not care about the ethics at all um yeah just just quite willing for the ends to just absolutely so on so on so it's a pattern of behavior so so in a way that that might be a really good one to look at if you're saying you know what am i seeing here am i seeing true charisma if you like or am i seeing pseudo transformational leadership am i seeing somebody that's really only interested in themselves um that's a fantasist that's ego driven um, you know, mm. is that is that really what I'm looking at? And I would suggest that a lot of these groups are led by people like this. This is mm. what this is what actually we are mistaking for true charisma is this pseudo transformational leadership. Mm. So it looks a bit like it, but it's it's not. It's a pseudo version of it. Um, so maybe that's one way of of trying to square this difficult circle of normal organisations versus high control groups what you have is on the one hand you can have charismatic leaders who inspire their people and use these these techniques if you like or methods to create enthusiasm and engagement and motivation and on the other hand you've got these pseudo transformational leaders that look and sound a bit like it but when it comes down to it it's all about them mm. and maybe that's the difference so in our conversation maybe we've been able to identify what that difference is that's quite i think that's quite interesting definitely so do you think i'm charismatic (laughs) 
Um, I don't think you're there yet. <laughs> no, I don't either. I do not think you're going to. Um, no, I think I can be like funny. Um, and yeah. like in creative writing classes, I was funny, you know, but mm. and people liked listening to my, um, you know, my, my little bits would go around in circles and discuss things. People found what I said funny, but I don't think I was necessarily. I don't think I get people to do the things that I want them to do. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. If that's I mean, what charisma is. Yeah, well, it, it can be, can't it? Influ- I don't think I'm particularly influential. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, I, you know, it's difficult I for me to my beginning say... thing of saying like, oh, I'm like, oh, it's being like uh, confident and like likable, basically. Mm. And I think I'm. I think I'm likable, but I don't think anyone wants to wants to like follow through and do the things <laughs> that I say. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, maybe I think part of that might be. Um, so one of the things that we didn't talk about was, but actually Antonakis does is is mm. confidence. So what confidence does is it it makes people believe that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. In some respects, I feel like I'm less so now. The more I learn, the less confident I am mm-hmm. in a lot of things. And I'm kind of cool with that, um, which is quite interesting in itself, really. But I think maybe as you get older, you'll become more charismatic um, because you'll be more confident in in yourself and, um, you know, in, in what you're saying. If you don't, if you don't, don't believe the point you're making or you're not sure about the point you're making then you're probably not going to be charismatic i think so it's I think... less that with me it's just more i'm quite apologetic so i'm like if you yeah. wouldn't mind could you like it would be really helpful uh da, 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 you know so at this point it's probably worth um re- reminding our listeners about the assertiveness course yes. because it's it's not about charisma but in a way it's like the underpinning of it so if you can't be assertive then you can't be charismatic, I would say. So assertiveness is about um, the, the basics, really. Mm. Um, and I would say if you want to influence people, and, and I think it's kind of a useful skill, um, then, yeah, check out that assertiveness course. I'll put a link to it on the description. Um, it's a free course. You can. It's about an hour long. There's two of them now. Just sign up on our website and you can... Um, you can avail yourself of it. We actually haven't kept our promise because we said every Monday, first Monday of the month we would um, uh, talk oh, about yeah. a new aspect. So we need to do that, I think, for next week. Yeah. So perhaps yeah. we'll do that. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I think at the moment I wouldn't describe you as charismatic, a, a, a great person, very kind, intelligent and talented. Um, but as yet, probably not charismatic. But is that a bad thing? Not really. No, it's just a thing. <laughs> just a statement. It's just a just fact, a isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we are. So, okay, how would you summarise um, all of that then? Um, so I've done a lot of talking today. I'm aware of that. And I hope it hasn't come over as a training course because obviously, you know, that is my day job. So I can, if I'm not careful, slip into trainer mode. But mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to have a bit of content that is, you know, something that might be useful. Um, we'll get on to another, like last week we talked about the eight values where we were both scrambling around for, to know what we thought about, 
which is yeah. also cool, isn't it? What do you think mm. about about this whole subject then? How would you define it and what? how would you summarise what we've talked about today? Well, I still think it's about being like likeable and getting people to sort of do the things you want them to do because you're likable but there's just more little secrets to it as well that some people know and some people are just naturally good at but then I guess it's not just a natural thing I think there's skills that certain people learn and therefore are good at is what I take from it yeah um we've obviously applied it and tried to as we've gone through it applied it in what we might say a normal organizational way and also in the cult way mm. and I think we've identified some um some practices that take it over the line from ethical to unethical so that's probably a good way of thinking about it and also at the end there we talked about this pseudo transformational leadership so think about people when you think about them as charismatic are Mm. they really or are they just pseudo charismatic Mm. Um, and it could be actually that, that they are displaying some of those classic pseudo transformational leadership qualities so um, it is something to be careful of that it is a very very powerful thing um because it it appeals to our normal psychology and one of the concerns i've got i suppose one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast is that when you leave a group that's a high control group you are a little bit vulnerable i think to Mm -hmm. a charismatic person coming along saying hey I really like you. You're really cool. Do you want to be part of my group? Because I've got the answers that you thought you had before. Mm. And before mm. you know it, you're sucked into something else. And that that could be a bit dangerous. So yeah. knowing, I think, is, you know, foreknowledge is forearming. So that's perhaps something useful mm. um, that we've been able to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Nice Thank you very much. Interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Very um, good, thank you. Don't, don't forget, listeners. Oh, charismatic to... leader. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to um, uh, uh, what? I'm, what I'm asking them to do? Yeah, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Please, please do it. I get so excited when you leave a review. Truly, it's so exciting. Uh, it is. It is really exciting. I should mention, actually, that I was on a um, another podcast recently called Out of the Blank. Um, it was a kind of, it's a, it's a guy, American guy doing a podcast, and he has all sorts of guests on. Um, he's very prolific. He, he pumps out a lot of these uh, podcasts. Um, I haven't listened to it back because I'm, I'm fairly embarrassed about seeing myself. It's one that you actually see mm-hmm. the guests as well. Um, so I feel like I've got a face for radio, um, but um, but it's um, yeah. So you can check it out. It's called Out of the Blank. Um, I'm a guest. I was a guest a, a week or so ago. So if you're interested in that, you can um, you can chat that out. Nice, awesome, cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bye. 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 What should I think about? Is an Evil Sheep production. <laughs> <laughs>